0: Hey there, and welcome to the Oscars Death Race Podcast, where we try to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies or die trying. My name's Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. My deepest apologies for this episode being out about half a week later than expected. Uh, with February starting up, I've been sucked into the black hole that is the New York real estate market, uh, which if you know how that abyss goes, uh, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate your well wishes in advance. Um, my lease is coming up and is ending soon, so I've been spending pretty much all my free time outside the fork looking at apartment listings and going to so-and-so halfway across the city, um, leaving very little time to edit these episodes in a timely manner so again apologies for that hopefully i can get this apartment hunting done soon because i have so that i have time to get on the race because this coming tuesday uh, is oscars nominations day now, if you haven't seen it or heard last episode, I'm hosting a for fun season. you know, no prize attached, just kind of for fun. Uh, it's a contest b- for between the Academy of Death Race with Discord and the Oscars Death Race and Oscars Race subreddits. Uh, basically, with the 120 or so possible nominations across the 23 categories, I'm basically saying whoever picks the most predict- correct predictions wins bragging rights as the Oscar nominations whisperer. Plus, I'm also taking community poll on who you'd like to see be nominated for Best Picture so we can see how our taste Differ from the academies. So far, I've received about thirty different submissions or so. Um, so there's still time for you to get your entries in. Uh, the form closes when the Oscar nominations begin at eight eighteen a.m. Eastern time on February eighth this coming Tuesday. Which fun fact? I have a dentist appointment then. Uh, so that's going to be a fun time. Um, now to help you with your ballots for this contest, I've brought on long time. In fact. Possibly the oldest friend of the show, Dakota, from the ContraZoom pod, to talk about our predictions for all the feature-length category nominations. Uh, we don't really have anything constructive to say about the Swords nominations beyond they exist. Uh, so there's that. Um, anyway, you can certainly start off with Gold Derby's predictions to build your ballot, which we did for this episode. But there were certain nuances to the predictions, like you know things that may end up you know surprising uh, surprising us, or things about uh, historically that may, you may not have that might not be reflected in the Gold Derby predictions that you may miss by just blindly following those rankings. So we're here to give you that scoop and also give you some spicy hot takes that we know won't get nominated, but we'd like to manifest into existence somehow. So just be careful when you're listening and filling out this ballot that you're filling out the correct thing. Now, a quick note on timing and the actual content of this episode. Um, you know, this episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago. At this point, actually, before the Jeff and Pierre episode came out, um, which uh, you know, this means this was air. This was recorded uh, before the various guild nomination awards, such as the PGA, DGA, WGA, and ACE awards, which came out January twenty seventh. That those were. Some pretty big take ups, some pretty big snubs. Um, so, you know, those took up the, the predictions to, to a certain degree. And then also the Baffa nominations this past uh, week as well on the third, you know, had some notable snubs as well. Um, so, you know, the Gold Derby rankings I'm quoting and our own takes don't reflect those nominations, which frankly speaking, I'm kind of garbage at actually using those to inform my decision anyway. Um, so it didn't really matter, I guess. Um, but, you know, so grain of salt with all these predictions. Um, in any case, uh, I, I got to get to sleep soon. So let's cut straight to the episode and I'll catch you on the other side. All right. And joining me is longtime friend of the show. I think you might have been the first guest I ever had on the show, actually. So always glad to have him back every year. It's Dakota from the ContraZoom pod. Dakota, I want to go ahead and introduce yourself to all the listeners out there.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Paulo. Yeah, I have uh, I think I was maybe the first. I don't remember. It was right when you decided to, to start having some more people on. So I always appreciate being able to to come back on. You're, you're so much fun to chat with. And you've come on ContraZoom pod a few times as well. And hopefully during this Oscar season, we'll have you back again. So I'm excited. I, I always know when the Oscar Death Race podcast starts back up; it's a good time of year.
0: No, no time quite like it. But yeah, so tell us about the Condor Zoom Pod, just for any listeners who maybe you know are doing the Death Race for the first time this year and haven't heard you in past seasons.
1: Sure, yeah, it's a it's a weekly film podcast. It uh, it jumps around a lot about what we cover. It's not really just a traditional film of the week. Sometimes we do a, a review. Sometimes it's film festival. Sometimes it's interviews. Sometimes it's, you know, top 10 list, all of that sort of stuff. But usually during Oscar season, from the time that the nominations are announced until the actual ceremony, the show is pretty much a dedicated Oscar-based podcast. So we're going to go through all the major nominees, reactions to the nominees, predictions, all that fun stuff. You've come on, uh, I believe, last year, maybe the last two years, where we where we pick a couple of the best picture nominees and we like go really in depth about the odds that these films have to win so it's sort of similar to what you do, but sort of like the other half as well. So I think we actually make like a, a pretty good two sides of a coin sort of thing.
0: Yeah, definitely check out uh, Dakota's podcast. You know, he does some great stuff. And I really like his series on the A24 retrospective. Um, you know, definitely looking to a couple of A24 films later this year. Uh, and, you know, just for, you know, again, for people who haven't heard you before, what are your types of, you know, your taste in film? Generally, obviously, you know, you watch the Oscar stuff and that you do the death race. Um, but what other st- what? but in general, what are your, what's your preferred m- movie tastes?
1: That's interesting. If you were to ask my co-host Rachel, she would uh, jump immediately, say, uh, "A period drama," because more often than not, I'll talk about a movie that I like, and she'll ask me if it's a period drama, and then she'll laugh at me. Uh, so I guess that's, I guess my style. <laughs> you know, A24, despite being a distribution company and not a production company, most of the time, usually their releases are the type of movies that I, I generally gravitate towards, so, you know, more mid-tier budget, small to mid-tier budget films. Drama stuff that's a bit of a genre, things like that, where it's not just your your ordinary popcorn flicks. Obviously, I do like that stuff as well, and have done multiple
0: episodes about Marvel movies.
1: But uh, but yeah, I, I usually try to keep it a bit a uh, bit off kilter and a bit weird at times.
0: All right, weird is how we like it. And you know, uh, you know, obviously, again, you you do do the Oscar death face. How many years have you been doing it for again? And you know, what are your thoughts on this year's face in general?
1: Oh, I, uh, I probably should have looked that up the exact year. I've, uh, I feel like I've been doing it for about maybe 11 or so years now, where I, I started out just being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to try to watch a bunch. First, it was just like just the Best Picture nominees. And I was like, oh, I'll just try to watch as many as I can. And so inevitably, I would get about 60 to 70% of the way through and be like, wow, I did really well. Because comparatively, outside of our, our community, that is considered quite well as far as that. Like if you watch the 10 Best Picture nominees, that's considered doing a good job on your homework sort of thing for most people. And then I think I've been doing it seriously for about six years now where I I try my hardest to watch everything possible. In the last two years, I did manage to get 100%. This year, I fear with my work schedule, I probably won't be able to do that. And so I think I'm already trying to mentally prepare myself and just be like, hey, watch what you can. It's all right. You don't need to see everything, even though you know, like on the Discord server, I'll feel like I'm the one left out whenever it's like, "Hey, I completed, I completed, I completed." I'll be like, "Yeah, I've got like 20 left to go."
0: Hey, so you know, the, the, we're recording a bit, b- b- bit before Jeff, Jeff and Pierre's episode comes out, and Jeff is Paul. Like Jeff is already like, I think watched pretty much everything before the nominations even came out. So you're, you're not alone in that case. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll do my best to finish it this year, I think. I have think I have a good chance. Um, but it is, you know, oh, yeah, there's definitely some crazy people out there, in the very best way possible crazy, uh, who finished the entire race before it even starts. So shout out to you guys. I know Jeff has a day job, but uh, I don't know how he does it all. So Jeff, you're crazy. All right, um, and yeah, so you know, we'll we'll talk about you know this year's face. We won't go into like too much review of the film specifically. I mean, we might comment on it specifically as you know this episode. Um, you know, we've we've done kind of like the top twelve is pictures uh or films that are most likely to get best picture according to Gold Derby. So you know, we'll be going through the top five or for best pictures case top ten films that are most likely to get nominated in each category. I'll read through them and then you know, we'll kind of give a reaction. this hey, does this list look right? Or you know, does this look like something, or, or is there something that maybe we think will maybe usurp one of them? Well, I'll talk. Maybe mention like the the sixth and seventh place nominees as well. Um, and are there any films that we really wish would make get a nomination, even if we don't think it's going to? Um, you know, I think on the Discord, uh, I might actually be running a small contest, no prize attached, just kind of for funsies, where uh, we'll be go well, uh, there are, you know there are hundred essentially, I think like hundred twenty individual nominations available. You, you count duplicate nominations, so you know the one hundred twenty. Points possible: one point per cat, one point per correct category per guest, um, or point per, per guest per category. So this will be a good way for you to, you know, kind of try to fill it out and see if you can uh, get how many points you can get in predicting what will get nominated. So uh, Dakota, you ready to get started?
1: Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, I did lots of homework. I saw your homework as well. We've got some uh, some interesting opinions, so I'm ready to, to have some hot takes here.
0: Hey, the hot takes are always the best takes. Um, <laughs> all right, so starting off, we have the big one. We'll just hop straight in and probably t- spend the most time on this category, of course. Um, best picture. So, you know, going from number one down to number 12, um, and these are all films aside from the last one, which, you know, you probably have, uh, have know of if you've listened to the past couple of episodes of this podcast. Uh, in first place, we have Power of the Dog. Second place, Belfast. 3rd place, West Side Story. 4th place, Dune. 5th place, Liquorice Pizza. 6th place, King Richard. 7th place, Coda. Uh, eighth place, don't look up. Ninth place, tick tick boom. And tenth place, tragedy of Macbeth. With Nightmare Alley coming in at number eleven, and then Drive My Car coming in at number twelve. Uh, so those are, you know, your, presum- your, your presumptive top ten, uh, top twelve best picture uh, candidates who will likely get nominated. Now, you know, Dakota, you have your episode coming up uh, in a little bit. That will be your best films of 2021. Uh, so I'm not going to ask you to spoil that episode. You know, you guys should definitely again subscribe to Zoom Pod and listen to his episode. And also you know, in general we're not going to be caring too much about ranked order uh for the for most of these categories but you know i'm going to go be a little bit indulgent here and share my kind of you know based off of these uh based off of the films that i've seen uh what i think my top 15 is films actually would be um and you can kind of pick apart you know what i think would would be make for a good best picture um notably i have not yet seen licorice pizza or drive my car so they're excluded from this top uh 15 list so i'm actually going to work backwards order so my number 15 film uh, house of gucci number 14 don't look up number 13 lost daughter number 12 king richard and number 11 being the ricardos meaning that my top 10 films for best picture would be number 10 spider-man no way home uh ninth place belfast eighth place tragedy of macbeth seventh place west side story sixth place spencer uh, fifth place tick tick boom fourth place coda Third place, Dune. Second place, Nightmare Alley. And first place, Power of the Dog. So you know, obviously, if Liquid Speed would drive my car do well, they could probably push uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home out of that top ten. But but Dakota, what do you think of? Uh, first off, a gold derby's predicted top ten. Um, if that seems like a reasonable top ten for you, and then uh, and then what do you think of my top ten slash fifteen?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing that we, we probably need to get out of the way is well, Gold Derby is like an excellent resource of being like, these are probably the most likely based on how precursors are going, how critics are receiving them, how they think academy members are receiving them, blah, 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 all that great criteria. So it's a, a really useful tool. But it would kind of be a fool's errand to be like, great, here's the top 10. This is, let's lock it in. Here's the top five. Let's lock it in. So I think every, almost every single category, you know, say for a couple, there's going to be some surprises. There's going to be, you know, in the best picture category, some movie that's probably in the like twelve to fifteen range that sneaks up, and one movie that we thought was like a sure thing just isn't connecting with Academy members. Maybe it's because they uh, the studio isn't sending out screeners on time, or the contingent of old white dudes isn't caring for some specific niche film, or whatever have you be. There's going to be some variance, and so I think like I'm not going to repeat that every time because obviously get very repetitive sitting here but i look at that top 10 last and i'm like yeah i i see that where i sort of have my hot takes is it's it going to be a bit about my own maybe personal t- taste i think while I wasn't a big fan of it. I think being the Ricardos will probably be a bit of a surprise. Every year, there's going to be one or two movies that people are like, how the heck did this get in here? No one liked this movie, all this sort of stuff, even though they're obviously our fans. You know, I'm thinking of stuff like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Vice, Green Book, stuff like that, where it's going to get in there. There is a contingent of Academy Award voters that are going to really love being the Ricardos. And I would not be shocked in the slightest if it overperforms what Gold Derby thinks it's going to do. It could pop up in several categories that we're not even considering it. Obviously, you know, we're going to get to some of the bigger ones where it is in contention, notably Nicole Kidman. But I could see it being a player for, for Best Picture. I would say probably coming in at number 10 for me is something like Drive My Car. You know, it's right on the edge there. It seems to be getting a lot of acclaim from, you know, the festival circuit and, you know, it looks to be one of the front runners for Best International Film and things like that. It could be, you know, the movie that sort of sneaks in there. So obviously that means two come out for me of Gold Derby's top 10, and that's Tick, Tick, Boom and King Richard. And two of those, that's sort of my own personal bias. Tick, Tick, Boom, I'm not really a big musical fan. And every time I see the trailer for it, I'm just not excited about it. I know I'm going to have to watch it, but right now I'm not excited about it. And then number two being King Richard, I really don't care for Will Smith. And everything I, I sort of know about this movie where it's focusing on the Williams sisters father, not the actual William Sisters. It makes me question why is this movie even being made in the first place, other than as a vehicle for Will Smith to get an Oscar? And so I think there will probably be enough support behind Will Smith, but maybe not the picture as a whole.
0: Interesting. What about your takes? People have been saying, Oh, maybe Spider-Man No Way Home ends up getting in there. Is that like just too hot a take for even for you, you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Like I saw it and I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun and I think it's definitely going to get a couple of Oscar nominations in the technical categories. But it it wasn't really hitting critics and and industry members the same way like something like Black Panther did, where it sort of seemed like it was reinventing the genre a little bit with this narrative of a Black story from Africa and and how that's perceived in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and what it brought to the table. Spider-Man No Way Home, as excellent as it is and as, as fun as it is, I don't think it's breaking the same ground. And so I don't know if Academy voters are going to go for it in the same way that something like Black Panther.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I would say like my top, 10 list is more like my hope Dixon list as we've started to call it in the discord, which we hope gets predict gets nominated. Um, you know, I, I, I have like reasons for why I ranked everything where it is. I'm kind of sad that nightmare alleys look like it's probably going to miss at this point. Um, just cause like it's been falling down after, you know, kind of flopping at the box office and so on. Um, and yeah, I definitely like, I don't know. I definitely am with you on King Richard. I not with you on tick, tick boom. I love tick, tick boom. Um, <laughs> but King Richard, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, and you know, I, 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 I personally am, like, lukewarm on Don't Look Up, as I think many others So I think you, you tend to like it a little bit more, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, it's interesting, especially with, like, going back to the Tick, Tick, Boom part. With musicals, it seemed like everyone that came out this year was like, oh, this is going to be the contender for Best Picture, because it was in the Heights. And then it was, I can't remember what else it was, but then Tick, Tick, Boom. Like, there's been several musicals this year. Oh, West Side Story, obviously, is the other one, which I think is going to make it. But it seemed like every single time was, yeah, this is the, this is the big musical. I sort of feel like the Academy only has room for one musical it's really going to love. And I think that, you know, when voters are going down their ballots, they are going to be like, great, my musical this year is West Side Story.
0: Yeah. And then I would also say I'm kind of disappointed that Spencer is just like falling off the list entirely at this point as yeah. well.
1: Yeah, I, I think it
0: was always a long shot for Best
1: Picture, but it looks like it might be a long shot for some other stuff as well, which was very shocking.
0: Yeah. And then one last thing to note, I guess, for my personal preferred list is that I do really love Coda. The more I've sat on it, the more I think I really enjoy it. So you're going to see that in a couple of future categories where I'm going to have Coda, what I wish Coda would get nominated a lot higher, even though I don't think it's going to. Um, Any other thoughts on Best Picture before we move on? I know we have a lot of categories to get to.
1: No, I, I think that's about it. I think just people need to be prepared to maybe have a couple movies that they're feel like the audiences are divided on to make the cut because that happens every year because with preferential ballots that's what's going to end up happening
0: yeah all right, then. Uh, so next up, we have Best Director. Um, in order, we have uh, Jane Campion for be- uh, Power of the Dog, Dennis Villeneuve for Dune, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, and Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. With uh, In sixth place, Yusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Um, so Dakota, what are your thoughts on this uh, final five for Best Director? This is probably
1: one of the few categories where I think it's pretty locked in stone of this is who it's going to be. It seemed like Brannon was the real front runner for the longest time, but then Jane Campion has really over overtaken that. So it really is sort of like a two horse race between Campion and Brannon. But those five is the five that I think it's going to be. If if uh, Hamaguchi ends up getting in, then I think that's going to be like a big shocker in the sense of Drive My Car is probably going to overperform throughout the whole thing. Like if if Drive My Car makes best Pitcher, it probably has a chance to get in best director as well. But um, yeah that's going to be a tricky one for sure uh i i really feel like that's the top five
0: anyone that you'd like to see in here that's not already in here i like i mentioned uh, really enjoyed Coda and its direction um, i've been listening to the director's guild uh the director's cut podcast from the dga um and i think i was most impressed by the interview that uh cn hater gave for coda um for kind of like what all had to go into like directing that particular film but any that you're that you'd like to see make it in here
1: I think uh, out of only ones that are are realistic shots, because, you know, obviously I would love something like Ridley Scott for The Last Duel, but that's not happening at all, Um, or Gen Z Cabravo for Zola. As far as realistic choices, the only one I would kind of like to see in there is maybe Joel Cohen for The Tragedy of Macbeth.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Uh moving on to the acting categories then. Uh we have uh in first place Olivia coldman for The Lost Daughter, uh Kristen Stewart for Spencer, Nicole Kidman, as we mentioned, for Being the Ricardos, Jessica Chasen for Eyes of Tammy Faye, and Lady Gaga for House of Gucci, with Penelope Cruz coming in number six for parallel mothers at time of recording. Um you know, I know that Kristen Stewart for a long time was kind of like the perceived frontrunner for this category and then I think she got snubbed at the SAG Awards I believe um, or, or one of the precursor awards or one of the multiple of the precursor awards and so you know this is a very tight race all the like the numerical odds that you know Gold Derby gives these people are super super close um, between these top five um, so any of them could potentially drop off with I think there are a number of people kind of at the heels you know I, we mentioned Penelope Cruz I think that Jennifer Hudson for respect is kind of like in the conversation as well, Alana Haim for uh, liquid speeches in the conversation as well. But you know, what do you think of these five, and do you, think, you know, who do you think is at most at risk for not making it here?
1: I think the most at risk is Jessica Chastain. Uh, the Eyes of May Faye had a lot of buzz going into it, but then it really seems to have deflated. Uh, it was an okay movie. I think her performance was pretty solid, but the movie wasn't great in my opinion. I think uh, Rachel Ziegler from West Side Story might be the one that pops in her place. It's sort of interesting because the best actress race seems maybe one of the most the more wide open ones that we've seen in recent years because it seems like every single major award or guild seems to be having different omissions in different front runners so it's just very interesting where like early on obviously like you were saying Kristen Stewart seemed to be the favorite but that was with critics not so much with the actual award shows and she seems to be missing some and then you've got like I'm really surprised love for Lady Gaga, which I wasn't really expecting this for House of Gucci. Nicole Kidman, same thing, where the movie was pretty terribly received, but her performance seems pretty universally praised. Olivia Coleman sort of seemed to come out of nowhere where it was just like a lot of buzz about this movie, but no one had really seen it. And then I think The Lost Daughter came out like on Christmas Day, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I think I think it was New Year's just,
0: Eve actually. So it was like super New late Year's Eve, yeah, up. that's it.
1: Yeah. And it just like as soon as it came out, it was like bam, right away she shot to the top of the leaderboard. And in considering she just won so recently, I'd be hesitant to say that she's the front runner to win. But like, I don't know, stranger things have happened, of course. So this is is definitely one to really, I think, keep your eye on. And maybe will tell us a lot about what the Academy is thinking of these different movies, depending on who gets in here.
0: Yeah, I've heard that part of the reason uh, Kristen Stewart may have like gotten snubbed at the SAG Awards is that the Screen Actors Guild, you know, not only includes actors but includes you know personalities from radio, television, and influencers as well. And so, you know, it's a random selection of that of that body who decides on the nomination. So you could very well get like a, a cross section in the nomination phase that are less familiar with her acting work and more familiar with her as you know Twilight, basically. So they kind of written her off, um, but then presumably, right? The actor, the actual actors within the uh, Screen Actors Guild or uh, Screen Actors Guild may actually, you know, uh, still appreciate uh, Kristen Stewart at the at the Academy. Um, so there was hope there, which I, for my money, see was probably my favorite of, of what I've seen uh, this year. Though, frankly speaking, I haven't seen uh, T- Eyes of Tammy Faye just yet, um, so I can't comment on there. Um, and again, I will say Amelia Jones. Again, I just love Code everything in Code basically mm-hmm. there. So um, I would I would I, love to
1: see Amelia Jones get in.
0: Yeah, same here. We're on the same wavelength there. Um okay, moving to best actor. Uh first place is uh King Richard himself, uh Will the Fest Prince uh, Will Smith, um, followed up by Benedict Cumberbatch, Power of the Dog, uh My Man, uh, Andrew Garfield for Tick Tick Boom, uh Denzel Washington for Tragedy of Macbeth, and Peter Dinklitz for Serrano, with uh, Javier Bardem coming in at number six for being the Ricardos. So I didn't really have any hot takes here, but what did? um and you know, I, I, I again we, we mentioned how uh, no, both both just now and then, you know, in the episode that's, that's uh, we, at, at the time of recording hasn't come out yet, but will be out by the time this one does come out. Um, you know, King Richard is basically Will Smith's attempt at getting an Oscar yet again. Um, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think uh, Serrano might be probably the most at risk because it hasn't really come out yet. I've heard it ha- it's had a troubled uh, campaign so far, I think, um, for, for consideration. So what are your thoughts on, on this best actor race?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying right there. The Academy really does like Joe Wright. He's a, he's a pretty great director, and, and Cyrano is a very popular adaptation that they're doing. It's, it's based on the play Cyrano de Bergerac, but this time it's now a musical. So that could really go either way. That could be maybe a movie that sort of surprises us and gets multiple nominations. Or, in my experience, uh, what I'm thinking is I actually gets shut out completely, where Pierre Dinklage is maybe the only real opportunity to get in there. I would probably pull him and sure maybe it's it's javier bardem or someone else that maybe sneaks into his place but i'm sort of hoping to will into the existence simon rex for red rocket that is one of my favorite movies of the year and is one of the most powerful bold creative performances i've ever seen and so i would absolutely be elated that would be my my that would make my entire oscars as if simon rex gets nominated for best actor i really don't think it's going to happen so this is me like putting my hot take and like wishing
0: it into existence your manifestation if you will uh what about nicholas cage for pig
1: oh i would love that oh that that would be my second option of like okay if i can't have simon rex i'll have nicholas cage um but yeah it, it's tough i haven't seen tick tick boom so i can't really comment on it i think benedict denzel and will smith are all absolute locks they're the three sure things in this category garfield would is maybe like a i think a i i i would
0: I would say he's probably locked. Like, I think if Tic Tic Boom, even more so than Best Picture, like, you know, you have him maybe not getting Best Picture, I think this is the one thing that it's absolutely going to get, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I would say it's like a 90% lock. So if there's, you know, if it ends up not being as, as popular as maybe I think it is, um, then maybe that slips a little bit. But yeah, I would say he's pretty close. He would be behind those other three, but he's like right there with them for sure.
0: Yeah. And you know, uh, super long manifestation not Will Smith for Will, for for King Richard. I am I'm a bit more on the I pref- well obviously my homeboy and Andrew Garfield would be my first choice. But I realistically between the two I would want Benedict Cumberbatch over Will Smith. But that's just me. Um all right, moving to Best Supporting actors. I have a lot of hot takes here, but the actual five that Gold Derby is forecasting, uh, Ariana DeBose from West Side Story, Kirsten Dunst from Power of the Dog, Katriona Balfe from Belfast, Aonjane uh, Ellis from King Richard, Ruth Nega from Passing, which I have not yet seen, and then Anne Dowd from Mass at number six. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll save my hot takes for a second. What do you think of this final five, Dakota?
1: I think you're going to appreciate my hot take, and that's Marley Matlin in there. Okay. So yeah. I, I have I have uh, Debose Ellis Balfay, Dunst and then Marley Matlin as the fifth one there. Uh, over, I over haven't Ruth seen West Side Nega. Story. Yeah, over Ruth Negga. I haven't seen uh, either West Side Story or King Richard, so I can't really comment on on their performances per se. But it really seems like those two uh, are are real front runners in this category. With Katrina Balfay being another sort of lock for a nomination. At least I think Kristen Dunst is is a bit on shaky ground just because of of maybe how the academy feels about her she isn't one to really like uh promoting herself or her work so if they sort of maybe do the kristen stewart treatment of her i can see her maybe missing so it'll be an interesting one to sort of see where where this category goes but yeah marley matlin is my hot take.
0: Okay, what do you think of Ann Dowd from Mass? I know she's you know, kind of like the sixth place. I know a lot of people are saying that this might be one of the few places where Mass gets a nomination. Do you think that's a realistic t- shot here? That, that's a tough one. I haven't seen Mass yet, so I can't
1: comment specifically on the performance, but I know everyone has been raving about all four of the actors in this movie with Ann Dowd being the real standout of it. I, I, I just feel it's just one of those movies that's just a little too small and the distributor is not promoting it enough And no one really saw it, unfortunately. This is a movie that came out earlier this year. And if you're not widely seen by now, you're kind of out of the running, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I always find the uh, the actress and supporting actress, unfortunately, kind of like the hardest for me to predict. Um, It always ends up being like my hope. Dixon's more or less. Uh, My my kind of hot takes is one. uh, I think Jesse Buckley, even more so than Olivia Coleman, to get the nomination if if the Lost Daughter gets nominated for anything. Um, Because I think that's you know we on my interview on my episode uh, with Alex and Adele, you know, a couple weeks back on Lost Daughter, we kind of came to the conclusion that yeah, the the actress who really gave that character. of Lita, her her character and her personality and her emotion was the Jesse Buckley in the flashbacks as opposed to Olivia Coleman in the present. Um, so I would really, really would have loved her to see her get more nominations than or more acclaim than than Olivia Coleman would. But alas I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, the other one would be Catherine Hunter from Macbeth who plays the witch. Oh um, yeah. That is like the most, I, I think it's like the creepiest performance and probably the most memorable performance of the witch I've ever seen in a medicine in in of Macbeth. And this adds just the perfect amount of, it adds the physicality in that performance. I think that that, that really sets the whole, set the, set the whole production as a whole to another level, I think.
1: I am so happy you're, you mentioned Catherine Hunter because... It's really hard to stand out in a scene opposite Denzel Washington. As much as I love Francis McDormand, I really felt that Denzel overpowered her in a lot of their scenes together. The only person that I think actually went toe-to-toe with him in Macbeth is Catherine Hunter. She just brought this such unique physical performance to it. So I'm so happy you're, you're trying to will this into existence because I would love that to be willed into existence as
0: well. All right. Uh, well, here's the, here's the hoping, hoping the witch's view comes true. Um, all right. <laughs> Finally, last acting category is best supporting actor. Um, so first place is Cody Smith McPhee from Power of the Dog. Uh, second place is Tori Kotzer from Coda. Third place is Karen Hines from Belfast. Fourth place is everyone's favorite uh, Jared Leto as Paolo Gucci from House of Gucci, <laughs> uh, which is always funny because my wife always says that I kind of look like, like Jared Leto since I started growing my hair out and I have the same name as his character here. So just that that I always found that funny. Um, and then Jamie <laughs> Dornan as uh, the grand as as the father in Belfast um, with Bradley Cooper coming in at number six for Licorice Pizza. Um, So first off, Coda. I love the love for Coda here, and I definitely think he's probably going to get nominated, though I think this is clearly Cody Smith McPhee's category at this point. Having seen uh, all of these performances, it's definitely going to Cody Smith McPhee. Um, I think Jamie Dornan is probably the most at risk here, um, frankly speaking. I think Jared Leto, somehow, I, I, it's, it's that weird case where he's going gonna to get both the Razzie nomination and the supporting actor uh, o- o- Oscars nomination. Um, I really do like the, uh, Brad- I, I just saw Licorice Pizza in black and white uh, this past Sunday, actually, um, and I was blown away by Bradley Cooper and his reigns there. So would love to see a Bradley Cooper nomination here. Uh, but what do you think?
1: I, I'm once again trying to will some stuff into existence, and that is uh, for Jared Leto to just go away um i i i would not be shocked in the slightest if he gets both a razzie nomination and an oscar nomination because it seems like i don't know what like every five or six years there's an actor that gets both for the same movie and you're just like how is this even possible you watch the academy do this and you're like what's wrong with you how you saw the same performance that the razzie people see right what are you doing here uh so so me i am willing Leto out of existence completely and putting in Bradley Cooper. I think the Academy really likes him, as we saw with A Star Is Born. He's been nominated a bunch of times for different stuff. So it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if Bradley Cooper ends up uh, being in this category. But uh, but yeah, Smith McBee, Kotzer, and Hind are probably the most locks, with Dornan probably being a little bit behind there. Uh, and then Leto probably, Leto and Dornan probably being the, the most uh, unsafe between them. Okay,
0: okay. Uh moving to the adapted screenplay category. Um we have, you know, first up power of the dog, second place, the lost daughter, third place, Coda, fourth, West Side Story, Fifth, Dune, and then sixth, Drive My Car. Um, you know, again, I don't have I haven't seen that much, but I have seen all five of the the top five nominations, have not seen Drive My Car. So I can't really comment if this looks like right, but you know, what do you, what do you think, Dakota?
1: Yeah, this is This is a category, both adapted and original, you kind of have to look at like, okay, where, where do the various best picture nominees sort of shake out because, you know, all the top front runners are going to fall into one of the two categories. So you're probably going to end up with eight of the 10 best picture nominees with a screenplay nomination. So that's kind of a little safe to assume that. I look at the top five that they have on Gold Derby and, you know, it's hard to really quibble with what they have. Um, dune i know was really praised as as finally adapting a very unadaptable novel to the screen coda is from a a french film i believe and so i think that's going to play well especially with uh with the message behind it and then the other ones are just very well adapted west side story could have been a a huge flop but uh people are really loving it and i'm happy about that i love the original west side story i'm very excited to see this new one so it's going to be interesting to sort of see how, if they do make any changes to the actual story and how it's presented. So that's going to be sort of a a thing that I'm looking for when I see it. Yeah, I, I have no real arguments with this top five.
0: Okay. Yeah. And interesting. So you mentioned like the top, you know, the top, you know, generally the, the best picture nominees probably will get a, a, a for eight of the 10 of them will probably get. It. And it works out that I would say about five of these um, of the, of Gold Derby's current 10 are adapted and five of them are original. So the one that's missing from the adapted, actually there were two missing from the adapted, it looks like. One would be Tick, Tick, Boom. And the other would be uh, Tragedy of Macbeth um, would be missing here um, with, uh, I believe, Lost Daughter kind of t- taking that place um and then uh moving to best original screenplay uh we have lecris pizza belfast king richard don't look up and being the ricardo's being that uh one that 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 uh i think skipping out on on one um with uh um uh drive my car oh sorry uh with mass being the sixth one here does that you know top five look right to you uh
1: i i have four of them and i have one exception original screenplay is interesting because Uh, it's not just the scripts or the movies or things like that it's the names behind them that i think is really going to matter a lot being the ricardo's has aaron sorkin the academy loves him belfast has Branagh. they love Branagh. don't look up has adam mckay as we've seen with his last few movies the academy really likes adam mckay same goes for paul thomas anderson who wrote licorice pizza so my only one that i would probably take out is of course Uh, King Richard, and I would replace that with The French Dispatch, because the Academy also really likes Wes Anderson, so I would not be surprised if the writer's branch decides to reward Wes Anderson for
0: his script. Uh, Insert your joke about how I have not seen Wes Anderson movies yet here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right yeah i keep forgetting about that yeah i guess that's our on uh ongoing joke now
0: <laughs> yeah 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 i'll get to it i promise uh, i mean i have to get to it at this point if it, if it gets into the nomination here which it probably will later on um okay so yeah uh french dispatch potentially getting in uh over uh which one which one was the one that you said were, was going to not make it potentially king richard king richard okay um interesting yeah i could definitely see that uh i i again i def me jeff and Pierre kind of concluded that uh what held King Richard back was the screenplay more than anything else. Uh, so we'll not be mad there. Now, there is one thing that's come up kind of in discussion online, that there's always that sole screenplay nomination that just does not, like, like it nominated nowhere else in the Academy here. Um, and, you know, I think all the ones we talked about are probably going to get nominated in at least one other category. So who do you think will be that one sole screenplay nomination? Last year it was The White Tiger. Um, I think I saw someone post that it's been like literally like almost 20 years or something where it's always been like one sole nom- like at least one nomination that's like not in any other category from the uh from the screenwriters guild so what do you think that will be this year if there is one
1: yeah that, that's a really good point and, and something I, I wish i had made as well because that, that's completely true there's always one really random movie that seems to sort of stick out uh if it ends up being adapted screenplay maybe it's something like passing is the only one uh, and as far as original screenplay maybe it's something like math or parallel mothers or even come on come on could sort of be it because I, I sort of think that french dispatch might show up later we'll talk about it when that comes um but you know maybe maybe the, the french dispatch is the only one that gets a nomination for that of course much like the white tiger the one that sort of sometimes comes up out of absolutely nowhere and you're like i didn't even realize this was on the oscar radar so i i don't even know what that could be maybe it's pig um maybe it's Red Rocket, maybe it's Annette. I don't know. Maybe Memoria. It's so hard to tell because, yeah, you're right. There, There is this weird thing with the academy where they just like be like hey here's a curveball that you've never even heard of before
0: yeah well i've heard i've heard a lot of people say it might be come on come on is kind of like the favorite for that i think um which i w- wouldn't be as upset about i've heard a lot of people say really good things and would look forward to watching more joaquin phoenix in black and white um but yeah if you're filling out your ballots uh for who you think will get nominated make sure you include that one uh that one wild card spot for for screenplay all right, we're going to move to some of the more technical categories here. Uh, first up, we have best cinematography uh, with Dune, Power of the Dog, Tragedy, Macbeth, West Side Story, and Belfast being the top five. This is Nightmare Alley coming in at number six. Um, so I have some hot takes, well, not so hot takes, but I think some that are like, kind of out of contention, and unfortunately, which I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Spencer and I really enjoyed uh, Green Knight. Um, and, you know, as much as. Um, I like Powder Dog*. I kind of wish that, uh, and, and and Belfast. I think I again I'll have mentioned on the by the time this episode comes out, the last episode. Belfast cinematography didn't quite do it for me. Um, I would say *Dune*, *Tragedy*, *Macbeth*, and, and *West Side Story* are my favorites of cinematography for sure. I again, having seen uh, *Nightmare Alley* in black and white this past Sunday, uh, I really want that to get uh, nominated for cinematography, but it looks like it's it's on the cusp.
1: Yeah, I I think I I pretty much agree with the top five that Gold Derby has. All five of these movies have sort of been heavily praised for their cinematography. So it sort of makes sense that they're the real front runners. Like you, I would love it if The Green Knight made it. Uh, Another movie that I mentioned earlier was The Last Duel. I would love it if it got in there. Obviously, I don't think either of those movies, maybe The Green Knight has like a, a random token nomination somewhere amongst one of the technical categories. That would be that would make my day. But uh, but yeah, as far as the cinematography, you know, people talk about doing it and they're like, Oh my gosh, it looks so good. Power the dog, the mountain landscape, it's so beautiful, how did Macbeth? It's so unique. Like all these movies, people are talking about their cinematography and when you get regular everyday moviegoers talking about cinematography, that's usually a huge sign of, of the things to come.
0: Okay, Um, moving on, then we have a costume design uh, with uh, first place being Disney movie Cruella, uh, which I thought I kind of called when I first saw Cruella in theaters last May that, yeah, this is probably going to get an Oscar nomination for the costumes. Clearly the best part of the entire film. Uh, Second place, we have Dune. Then we have House of Gucci, uh, fourth place, Spencer, fifth place, West Side Story. And then once again, Nightmare Alley at sixth place here. Um, I would agree with this as a likely nomination i think i would like to see i was really unimpressed with house of gucci's costumes frankly speaking and would love again more love for nightmare alley to kind of like get in there and get more recognition um but other other than that again this, this seems like a pretty solid five for costume
1: yeah costume is an, is an interesting category to try to predict because they have a very sort of set guidelines of what they normally like going for it obviously has to be period or really high fantasy are the two main things that they they go for year over year. So you look at some of the nominees like uh, Dune or Cruella, that sort of makes a lot of sense. Spencer sort of fits into the like really classy, you know, she's, there's there's literally an entire sequence in this movie of her just wearing different dresses. That's going to be sort of like that showboating Oscar moment for that movie because she looks, Kristen Stewart looks stunning in all of those dresses. And, And throughout the film that all her famous looks that they recreate, they do such a great job with that um i i sort of agree with you house of gucci sort of i what i've seen it looks like it might get in there i think this is a movie that maybe is going to play really well with academy voters maybe to the detriment of the average oscar watcher but uh i think nightmare alley might end up being the one that sort of sneaks in there as well uh so that'll be that'll be sort of interesting to see over west side Story, and that sort of depends on if west side story is like the absolute dominant beast that it very well could be where you know it wouldn't shock me if west side story ends up with like 10 to 12 nominations like yeah that's completely in the realm of a possibility that's
0: that's that's what i currently have as the count something in like the double digit numbers for west side story yeah uh
1: but it could also miss in a couple key categories and while the costumes look very beautiful on the screen i don't think it's doing enough to really set itself apart in a very unique style. And that's where I think maybe something like Nightmare Alley could sneak its way in. Okay, All
0: right. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, Next up, we have film editing. And film editing is actually a secretly very important category because um, I believe something like all the Best Picture winners um, have had at least a, a nomination in Best Editing. Um, so the, the the front runners here are, as you'd expect, a lot of the front runners uh, for best editing. We have Dune at number one, Belfast for number two, Power of the Dark for number three, West Side Story for number four, and then Don't Look Up at number five, followed by Licorice Pizza at number six. Um, so, you know, again, the top, the top, Front runners. I'm surprised there's like no more like weird, flassy technical one that's like maybe not a front runner, but they might but 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 would get a, an editing nod here. So I'm kinda of surprised there's none of those. I'm imagining we'll probably get one of those when the final times comes. Uh if that's the case, I hope that it knocks out Don't Look Up because I did not like the editing in that one at all. Um and I and I, I my last hot take is I really wish Tragedy of Macbeth would get some recognition here. Um because some of the transitions in that were absolutely stunning. Um but yeah, Dakota, what are your thoughts on best editing?
1: On a personal level, I absolutely agree with you. So that shouldn't come as a shock now of people listening to this, our conversation here. But yeah, editing, you're absolutely right. It is such a key component to figuring out what are the actual frontrunners. You look at the screenplay nominations and the editing nomination, and between the two of those, you figure out who lines up the most with the best picture categories, and that's who the real frontrunners are. So obviously, you've got Dune, Power of the Dog, West Side Story, and Belfast. Those make complete sense of why they're here. I know a lot of people are probably going to be upset that Belfast gets here probably upset about don't look up getting it up in there as well but those look like to be the five main front runners really like it's kind of hard to argue against them
0: yeah i mean at least belfast was a sort film as opposed to uh don't look up which just went on and on and on uh, again what are you doing with the editing but yeah um all right then moving on to makeup and hair now this is a category that is sort listed um so there is only a set number set number here um in the, the top five we have in first place Eyes of Tammy Faye um, which apparently I saw something that like Jessica Chastain had to do like seven and a half hours of makeup a day or something like that which is kind of ridiculous um, and then we have Dune at number two Cruella uh, again for number three House of Gucci uh, I probably for probably solely for Jared Leto um, for uh, hit make, hair and makeup at number four and then West Side Story at number five and then tied uh, in terms of odds we have The Suicide Squad not to be mistaken with uh, award Oscar award winning suicide squad uh from a couple years ago and then also coming to america uh with eddie murphy the sequel um kind of at have, in that six slash seven spot so um what do you think of the uh, forecasted uh hair and makeup and do you think we get another suicide squad nomination for best hair and makeup
1: we're now getting to some of the technical categories where anything can happen it wouldn't shock me you know i look at the top five frontrunners. runners and i'm like yeah that makes sense to me but uh, this is one of the, the categories, as we're going to go along, that could really have some surprises. I don't think Coming to America is going to make it. Uh, it really just sort of died the day it came out. Suic- the Suicide Squad, I would be happy if it makes it. Uh, but that's more because I quite enjoyed that film. Best DC film. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that, too. Uh, it, it would be nice if it gets in there, but like I'm not like, oh yeah, su- the Suicide Squad has the best Terran makeup, so I'm not going to be devastated if it doesn't make the cut. It really seems like it's going to be the eyes of Tammy Faye's award to lose with Dune and Cruella being right behind it as far as maybe a, a spoiler or an upset.
0: Okay. Um, moving on to Best Production Design. Uh we have again Dune at number one. Uh I think Dune might be like up there with West Side Story for probably most nominations this year. Um, second place we have Nightmare Alley, which again really in love with that one. Then West Side Story number three, Defense Dispatch at number four, and then Tragedy of Macbeth at number five, uh which spams coming in at number six. Honestly, you know, as long as Dune and Nightmare Alley get in there, I would Take any of the other other four, three of the other four films to round up the title five. I'd be happy with that.
1: Yeah, I, I think Spencer coming in at number six makes sense because it, it pretty much takes place at one location almost the entire film, and while it's really it's a really nice castle, it unfortunately doesn't really do enough with its production design to really stand out. So I think the five that are sort of in the top five there really makes sense. And as you said with Dune, it's going to show up in every single technical category, and probably so is West Side Story. This might be the French Dispatch's only nomination if it doesn't sort of squeak into um, to screenplay. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it really is, is a well-deserved one, even if it's a movie that I'm a little mixed on.
0: Yeah, I would I've heard some buzz that potentially Ghostbusters Afterlife might get in here, which honestly I wouldn't be too upset about. I really did enjoy the uh I really did enjoy the prop work that I went in there kind of like recreating the original props but also updating them. If you haven't yet, uh check out Adam Savage's channel tested on YouTube, he does some pretty cool behind the scenes videos about kind of like all the work that went into the actual production of the film from a production design perspective, which I think, you know, really adds to that for, for at least for me at least. Uh, moving then to some of the more musical categories. Uh, you have a music podcast, right, Uh I, I do. It's it's one called uh, Crate
1: Digging. It's where I interview uh, musicians about their record collections. So it has really nothing to do with like scoring and things like that, although soundtracks have come up in, in some of the episodes. We yeah, have people like listening to uh, artists, mostly Canadian artists, talk about their record collections. Crate Digging is another podcast I host.
0: Yeah, definitely make sure you check that out. Um, And yeah, I mean, I would say there were definitely a lot of films that I, you know, I know that Score is generally original music, um, but I really wish there was kind of like some way to recognize like really good soundtrack selection. I think there was some some film to see that had some really great soundtracks to them. But in any case, we have what we what we're dealing with. Um, so for best score, uh, once again, Dune uh, with Hans Zimmer uh, as the favorite for here. Um, Power of the Dog at number two. Uh, Fence Dispatch again at number three. So it might be another Friends Dispatch nomination here. Um, number four, Don't Look Up, and then number five at Spencer. Notably, I think Spencer. Spencer and Power of the Dog actually has the same composer, Johnny Greenglass, here. Um, so he might be going up against himself, kind of like how um, Trent Reznor and Atticus uh, you know, last year were up against themselves. Um, and then in sixth place, we have Parallel Mothers um, at number six. Uh, so what do you think of this five uh, with, your, with your musical expertise, Dakota?
1: <laughs> well, I, I will be very happy when uh, the Power of the Dog and Spencer get nominated by uh, Johnny Greenwood. He's from the band Radiohead which is my all-time favorite band. So I, I've been loving him. He Most people know his work from stuff like There Will Be Blood, which you know, was the biggest, the biggest upset of how the hell did that not get a nomination. But that was because it was ruled ineligible because he had taken parts of someone else's work or something like that and then incorporated that into his own work. So they, they disqualified the film. He's also done a bunch of other PTA films, including uh, Phantom Thread, which is another fantastic one. I... I don't look up the music didn't resonate with me at all like obviously there's the song which we're going to talk about soon but like the score itself i can't think of a single memorable moment so it's not in my list for me i think there's going to be a bit of a surprise and the surprise for me is the harder they fall takes don't look up's position
0: Okay, okay. Uh, The Harder They Fall is actually also a a consideration for the next category, um, which is Best Song, and this might be a little bit more up your speed with the records. Um, So in first place, we have No Time to Die uh, by Billie Eilish for the film No Time to Die. Uh, I think I didn't. Didn't I think this song came out like a year before the film came out because of the COVID release, um, delays? Delays. Um, so no time to die currently in the first place. Um, and then we have "Be Alive" by Beyonce over the credits of King Richard. Uh, we have "Dos Orgritas, uh by Sebastian Yatra, written by Lin Manuel Miranda for Encanto. Uh, "Just Look Up" by Ariana Grande for "Don't Look Up," and then "Down to Joy" by Van Morrison for Belfast. Uh, with the sixth place being "Guns Go Bang" by Jay Z and Kid Cudi uh, over. Uh, four do they fall at number six um so what do you think with this uh top five here this is going to be probably the category that's one of the hardest to pick because it always is it always is it, it
1: always is the this branch of the academy makes zero sense i i can never make heads or tails about what they're trying to do with it be prepared for some random movie you have literally never heard of make the cut be prepared for several songs of like wait what why is this song even nominated be prepared for the most Diane boring, mundane song, Diane Warren song, which she is shortlisted, so she very well could make the cut. Um, so, yeah, I, I purposely gave myself two spoilers just because I know this category is a bit of a crapshoot. I think King, King Richard, No Time to Die and Don't Look Up, up are probably going to do it because I think the Oscars are going to want their star power, and those represent three very big-name singers. Uh, but my my surprises or upsets, if whatever you want to call it, is So May We Start from a net, which that's that's a very risky pick. And then the other one is Beyond the Shore from CODA. So hopefully you like that pick, uh, Apollo. But yeah, really, you know, like I'm basically just going to roll a dice and, and pick five names out of a hat because this is the, the most difficult category to predict.
0: I mean, I would say it's probably safer than not to put Diane Warren in here, um, just to expect <laughs> her to ruin all of our death races by making us watch four good days. Um, you know, I mean, that we have the breakthrough rule on, on this podcast for a reason, where <laughs> you have to watch all the film, the entire film, even if it's nominated for only best song. And you can't just listen to the song. Um, that song, In the End Credits. In the End Credits. And I mean... There was uh, other than that, I'm in mean, Dyeron War and I think he's been nominated for like twelve times already, f- and, and and I think he's been more nominated every year for the last five years. So I wouldn't expect that streak to stop anytime soon, frankly speaking. Um, I will say something that's not sort listed that I kind of wish was sort listed was actually uh the song one of the songs from Bell, uh, which is Mamoru Hosoda's new anime film that has like a you know a singer kind of like B in the center of the film and you know Per our, uh, my, my our conversations with Jeff last year about how best songs would actually be a song in the movie instead of over the credits, you know I would like to see Dos Orguritas be a song that's in the film. Uh, bar since they didn't nominate, we, we we don't talk about Bruno. Um, but you know, uh, you know, I, I'll film a song that's in the film be there. Unless alas, this is another sortlisted category. So uh, if it's not sort listed, it's not going to make it in at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a crap suit. Expect Diane Warren, but that's about it at this point. <laughs>
1: Jeff blew my mind when when he sort of like made this revelation of it should the song should actually have an integral part of the movie and not just be best end credit song. And ever since then, I I quote Jeff every time I talk about this, because he's absolutely right. And it's absolutely infuriating that they're just like, hey, what big name artist can we do to sing some song that's vaguely about the movie that we can stick in the credits?
0: Yeah, play yaya ding dong. Um, all right. <laughs> so moving on, we have best sound. Now, this is another sneakily important category, kind of by a transitive property, where you know, best editing kind of determined like you have all the best picture winners were at least nominated for editing in the same way. All the films that won Best Editing were at least nominated for Best Sound in the past years. Even when Sound was broken into two categories, it received at least a nomination. I think either the winner of Best Sound went on to get, the, get Editing. I think it's actually all the winners of Best Sound shared the same winner as Best Editing, at least one of the two categories. And last year would be only one category. Sound of Metal took both. Um, so it very well could be the winner of Best Sound also wins Best Editing here if that streak continues. Um, so here we have first place, once again, dune uh second place we have west side story third place no time to die fourth place belfast and fifth place tick tick boom uh with power of the dog coming in at number six which would potentially break that that streak potentially actually um if power of the dog doesn't get nominated here um i mean i think dune and west side story are fairly self-evident um you know i think tick tick boom kind of makes sense given it's a musical film um that would have if pretty good sound um though and then i think the the one big miss here according to gold derby i don't see coda on here which it kind of gave me a lot of the same feels as sound of metal did last year i mean obviously there's there's some surface level con- uh, conti- uh, continuity there with both of them being about de- deaf individuals and kind of using sound design for that um but, you know, I can understand why it's not, it's not the biggest film out there and doesn't have as much praise, but I really would have liked to see uh, Coda kind of sneak in here. But in any case, what are your thoughts both about kind of like that relationship between sound and editing, as well as these, these five that uh, Gold Derby has kind of for us?
1: Yeah, I don't know the exact breakdown of how that statistic works, but I have heard something similar to what you were talking about. And that obviously makes a lot of sense. Dune and West Side Story are the two sort of big frontrunners that are both going to be nominated for Best Editing and Best Picture as well. So that sort of makes sense where that's where that overlap is going to be. The other interesting thing is with sound, the Academy loves war movies. So actiony stuff like that, No Time to Die makes a lot of sense to to sneak in there. And then you're also probably going to get some interesting random ones. I wouldn't be shocked if maybe Spider-Man No Way Home gets in there, or even The Matrix Resurrections. Those are my sort of two hot takes. As far as Coda goes, as much as I love that movie, uh, I don't think the sound design was sort of anywhere near on par that it was for sound of metal sound of metal did lots of really interesting stuff where they were sort of playing with him losing his hearing whereas coda has this one you know great show stopping scene where everything goes completely silent that isn't really enough of a reason for me to think it's going to make the cut for sound even if it was an integral moment
0: yeah i mean i would push back and i would say that there was definitely something with you know Amelia's character uh, Ruby kind of like having her hearing and then kind of like how she perceives her parents being very noisy um, kind of like and them not being aware of it I think was, was pretty solid but I, I I definitely see I I, I would agree with the, with the argument I think you know Sound of Metal did it better probably than, than Coda did in terms of sound design that said I still think Coda is definitely up there from this year's films at least
1: yeah that, that, that's fair but uh, I I would definitely expect uh, maybe a, a couple more action-y films or bang bang movies to sort of make the cut
0: Okay. Um, and then moving then on to you know some uh, kind of like CG related uh, categories we have first best visual effects um, so you know kind of the quote unquote superhero John, uh, superhero category for the Oscars uh, first place once again Dune uh, second place Matrix Resurrections uh, third place Sang chi Legend of the Ten Rings fourth place Spider-Man No Way Home fifth place Godzilla vs Kong with the Eternals coming up in sixth place again this is a sort listed category so kind of like the potential salamis are all already known um of those i would like i would think Free guy, I kind of enjoyed um from for their visual effects, and then also Ghostbusters Afterlife, even though it was for just like that one scene at the end, which I won't go into spoilers right now. Um, but I think did a really good job of using their their CG there, especially over the uh the uh, original ones. I believe actually did get a nomination for best visual effects as well. Uh, the original Ghostbusters. Um, so what do you think of these uh, visual effects? I feel like you know it's basically the Spider Man films plus Dune basically, and 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 maybe maybe Kong, maybe Matrix, who knows
1: yeah i i think that obviously dune and spider-man are probably the two real front runners here uh i'm sort of curious i I didn't do the homework on this but i I wonder how what's the most that marvel has gotten in a single category because them getting three i think is just completely out of the question Uh, obviously eternals right now is listed as number six so it's out of the race but
0: like i mean i i it's it's not going to be black widow for sure.
1: Yeah, and but I I it's just so tough to see both Shang-Chi, Spider-Man and Eternals all make the cut. So obviously one of them's going to come out. I think that, you know, I haven't seen it and and if if you like it or anyone else liked it then then I apologize for if this sounds a little crass, but every year there is going to be at least one or two really crappy movies that make it into the best visual effects category of like uh, why do I have to watch this? I call this like the, the real steel nomination where it's just like you just have to power through it and you just have to watch the the crappy robots fight each other sort of thing. Uh, so for me, that movie this year is free guy. I have zero interest in watching it. I think it's probably going to get in there because it has a lot of really, from what I've seen in the trailer, a lot of really cool special effects as far as uh, combining video games with reality. And so that will be sort of interesting. And I think Shang-Chi will be the odd man out in this with Spider-Man being the only Marvel movie that makes the cut.
0: Okay, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't take offense to that take on Free Guy. It definitely is kind of like a <laughs> very, very dumb movie. It's a very fun movie, but it's also a very dumb movie. So I wouldn't be too upset at that. I'm kind of upset. I haven't seen it, but I've seen a lot of really good things about the Tom Hanks film, Fintz, uh, which unfortunately missed the sort list nominations here. Um, And so that that was its only chance, I think, of getting a nomination. Um, and then the final, and then you know another uh, and uh, CG heavy category is the animated feature category. So right now we have uh, in first place Encanto, uh second place Luca, third place Missiles versus the Machines, fourth place Flea, and then fifth place Raya and the Last Dragon. With the aforementioned that Mamoru Hosoda anime film Bell coming in at number six. Um, so here's a fun fact: Disney has never had more than two films nominated in this category ever. Um, there have been times when they've had the majority of nominations in years when they've only had three nominees, but they've never had three outright outright nominations unless you count distributing Spirit of the Way as a Disney film, which I don't. Um, so the fact that right now people are saying, oh, it's the three Disney films plus Missiles plus Flea. Um, I mean, I would see why people think that, but also I suspect that one of the Disney films, probably Raya, um, gets left out um, of a of a nomination here. What do you think?
1: This is obviously your category of expertise. You are you are the big anime fan, and and I turn to you when I, I sort of need information about where things are trending and how they're received. Uh, I think the one to really point out is Flea. We're about to talk about it probably three times in a row, which is going to be crazy for this one. But yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. Ryan might be the only one that is sort of teetering on the edge of maybe coming out. But uh, the other thing to sort of note is the Academy really only will like one non-English animated film a year uh, or one non-American film per year. And it looks like this year it's going to be Flea. So that sort of like really hampers Belle's chance, I think.
0: Yeah, that is that's kind of like the big thing I think holding Bell back. I I will personally I think put the faith in that no never have more than two Disney films in a thing and say Bell get would be that one that comes in. Um the other thing, you know, the other thing worth noting is obviously Mitchells vs the Machines is a Sony animated film same studio that made Spider, the Spider-verse movie. And again, as we've talked about in past episodes, Netflix have been pushing up their um their the films that they're pushing to get nominated. So, you know, obviously Mitchells and the Machines is kind of their front runner, but there are a bunch of others. I think like uh summit of the gods i think might be on netflix i think um i know like vivo is on there as well so there was like some other netflix films i think that might come in and surprise potentially if bell does not come in and we only get to disney films kind of as that fifth spot so so. i would say just
1: be careful what you put out there because we might end up with a sing two (laughs) nomination
0: yeah fair fair enough (laughs) uh fair enough um, okay, moving on then to, oh, one last thing. Uh, you mentioned Flea, uh, and while I do agree that it probably will get nominated and it's it's a safe bet to, to expect it to get nominated, of the three categories it's going to be nominated in, I think Animated is the least deserving of a nomination. I think my hot take, my mini rant is that Flea is a good film. It is the best film that happens to be animated, um, and that's why it's getting the <laughs> animated category. It is not a good animated film, um, whereas you know I think looking at missiles, looking at what I've seen of of Encanto, Luca, and Flea, and having seen Belle in theaters all those other films push the medium of animation forward, push the technique of animation forward. Uh, Flea feels very lazy animation-wise to me, um, which I think maybe is why I was a little bit let down by it somewhat, but it didn't really do much with its animation. So that's my mini rant on why, as much as I know Flea, I appreciate Flea for what it is. It is, I don't think, the best animated film of the year by my definition of what makes the best animated film. It happens to be the best film that is animated.
1: (laughs) Important distinction.
0: Yes. Uh anyway, back to Flea. Uh, it is currently the front runner for the documentary feature category. Um you know, documentary features is always weird. There's always film films we don't really know are there. I think, you know, the the other kind of two front runners aside from Flea are Summer of the Soul. Um, you know, with a long other music related title from Questlove that I think won at Sundance, similar to Coda, um, and then The Rescue, which is that film from National Geographic about that Thai rescue a couple of years back. Um, I would say the last two films here, you know, Procession and Ascension, um, kind of our whatever i feel like it could probably be swapped out whatever sixth place is the first wave but really i think those first few you your most sir and then the last few are kind of like up in the air i think
1: yeah documentary is also another interesting category much like song where you'll have a lot of people go into the oscar season and be like oh this is the front runner for best documentary it's definitely gonna sweep its way and win every documentary award it's gonna win best documentary at the oscars just you wait and see and then the nominations come out and it doesn't even get nominated. It, happen, it seems to happen almost every other year where there's this big front runner and it just sort of misses the mark. And you're like, what is this, what is this branch doing? That's another sort of head scratcher one, much like the the best original song category. So uh, I would be prepared for people to be surprised and maybe disappointed that maybe one of their favorites doesn't get in. I think Flea and Summer of Soul are probably the only real, real locks. Uh, and even then, I would still take that with a bit of a grain of salt. Yeah, I think um, Flea,
0: Flea's the safe one. I think Flea's the only safe one here. Some of, so I could easily probably. see being kind of like let go of somehow. Yes. Uh,
1: the Rescue is directed by uh, the directors who did three solos. So there is some love there because that won that year. So I wouldn't be shocked if that gets back. I'm just going to throw out a random movie. I watched it and I liked it. So I'm, you know, I'm not willing it. But I thought The Velvet Underground was a pretty interesting music documentary that wasn't your typical music documentary. It did some interesting things with the editing and the way it constructed its story and showed clips. So it would be nice if it gets there. But it's just one of these categories where just be prepared to be disappointed if you have your heart set on a a few of them.
0: Where's my Kenny G documentary? Where's my my Sesame Street documentary? (laughs)
1: Where is Sparks Brothers? I wish that made the cut, but it, it didn't.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, so definitely Flea, probably Rescue, probably some of Soul, but who knows. Um, and then the last category that Flea is up for is uh, Best International Feature. The front runner here is the other one that's most likely to win or the that's likely to get potentially get Best Picture, Drive My Car, which is Japan's submission. Uh, then we have A Hero from Iran, uh, the worst person in the world from Norway, Flea from Denmark, and then Hand of God from Italy, um, which I believe Hand of God is Netflix's submission. So I, I, I would feel pretty confident about Hand of God there. Um, And then number six is compartment number six uh, from Finland. Um, I'm really excited to watch Drive My Car whenever I get the chance to do that. Um, And I, I feel like just kind of all the buzz around it probably has it like the safest here followed by flea but um and then and then i think a hero probably has had enough buzz like my mom talked like told me oh i heard this segment about a hero on npr or something so i would feel like that probably is in a good place so i don't know i feel like these seem like pretty solid nominations the one thing i would expect it maybe to be like you know this is a three out of five european countries so i wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe the worst person in the world or 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 hand of god gets snubbed for you know maybe an, another non-european country potentially to more more geographic balance what do you think does the Oscar tend to do that do you think
1: this is this is a very interesting category because almost every year it's sort of a bit of a surprise there's maybe like one or two international films that like sort of really make waves in north america and then the rest of them you're just like oh i've never heard of this movie i've never heard of this filmmaker none of these actors are recognized and it's it's this great period of exploration i love this category because it really does introduced me to some of my favorite movies that I probably would have never even heard of before. So I always love this category. But what's fascinating is this year, I would actually say the five movies listed by Gold Derby are such locks. I would call it the most locked category of the entire thing. And, and it's just so fascinating. I think it all sort of started when Titan, which was um, France's nominee for their best international film submission, didn't make the short list. It basically solidified the top five of the ones that you said, with Drive My Car, Flea being you know, the two big, buzzy ones, but then A Hero, which is directed by Asghar Farhadi, He has won two Best International Films before uh, for A Separation and, um, oh, I'm blanking on the other one right now. Um, but yeah, he's won it twice. And then you've got The Hand of God, which is directed by Paolo Sorrentino, who previously won for The Great Beauty and has, I believe, been nominated a second time. The worst person in the world, which is now, which was directed by Joachim Trier, who is also, I think, a, a previous Oscar nominee in this category. This is a very heavy hitter category. I don't think we've ever seen international film as dominant like this since, like, maybe the 70s or the 60s, when you had like all the big powerhouse directors out of like Europe and Asia coming to the forefront and like being legitimately box office successes in Hollywood.
0: Yeah, I would say yeah, I would agree. Aside from animated feature, this is probably my actual my second favorite category. Um, so just like you said, all the discovery here. Um, I think yeah, I think you know, with Titan not being in the short list, and then with Spain not nominating uh um Parallel Mothers for their submission, that definitely made it like oh yeah, these are the, probably the five who are most likely to. So I'm definitely looking to to watching all of these films whenever whenever they're finally locked in um you know the last few categories are the sorts categories and i won't have expected you to see most of these and I, I haven't seen most of these so i'll just mention them uh for completeness sake but i don't think we'll have unless, unless you have something to say about these i don't think there's too much discussion to have about these sorts are just sorts and kind of thrown out thrown out there
1: yeah i would basically say uh of the categories for best animated short expect either one disney or pixar or uh best live action expect at least one big hollywood name to act in one of the films or produce one of the films and then for best documentary expect four of the five to be super depressing and one of them to be so whimsical you wonder how it fit into the category that's that's my uh, analysis of those categories
0: Yep, and you are right on the Disney one. Uh, for animated <laughs> sort, the first one is Us Again, which I actually have. Uh, I think some affinity for. It's actually choreographed by this dance power couple who I really enjoy, Keone and Mari Madrid. So you know, kind of rooting for that one. But um, the animated sorts are Us Again, Windshield Wiper, Robin Robin, Step into the River, and Only a Child with Namu as number six. Um, for documentary sort, it's three songs of Benzer, Benazir, the Queen of Basketball, Coded, the Hidden Love of J.C. and Decker, When We Were Bullies, and Terror Contagion, with sixth place being Camp Confidential, America's Secret Nazis. Uh, And in the live action sword category is When the Sun Sets, The Long Goodbye, Television, Freemus, Censor of Dreams, and then sixth place going to Your Dead, Helen. So throw, throw whatever you want onto your ballots here. I have no idea how to predict for this beyond us again getting in there. Um, yep, all right. <laughs> so closing this up. So, you know, the, I, I, put together some stats from this list. The, the film with the most nominations as we predicted, uh, actually was Dune with 11 nominations here. Um, and then followed up were Belfast and West side story each with 10 nominations and then power of the dog with nine nominations. So I feel that seems like a bout fight for where the front runners tended to have been in previous year, especially with one as technical as Dune. I, I definitely see that, that, that number kind of sticking there. Um, um, and then just outside of nominations, you know, the ones that, that seem to be just outside of nominations, Parallel Mothers and Mass are both at sixth place in two different categories. Um, the Suicide Squad or Coming to America, potentially getting in for makeup and hair. Um, Harder They Fall, potentially for Best Song. Eternals, number six for visual effects. And then the various sixth place uh, films for International Animated and Documentary and the various sort films. Um, Now, if we go with this list, that would be thirty-eight feature films as per Gold Derby, plus the fifteen swords. Um, so that would be something like uh fifty-three films total to watch, including the sorts. Um, so thirty-eight feature films. Last year we had forty-one films. So I think some of the hot takes that between you and I we had, we may probably get one of those, you know, like the screenplay one, for example, or the random song that that's currently not being forecast, something like that. Um personally, of these thirty-eight, I think I've seen uh, eight, I uh, 19 or 20 of these. I think I just saw uh, Nightmare Alley this weekend, so I think that puts me at, like, I've seen 20 of these. So for me personally, that would be uh, Licorice Pizza, Tammy Faye, Serrano, Passing, Fest, Dispats, No Time to Die, the three animated Disney films, Mitchell's, the four docs, the four international films, and all the sorts, um, which I think is fairly reasonable to do in seven weeks or so. What do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, if you've got the time, absolutely. Um, I also did statistics like yours, and we came out very similar i have the same top four as you just in a slightly different order dune with 11 west side story with 10 power of the dog with nine and belfast with eight i have a total of 39 films so one more than you it's probably going to be between that like 37 and 43 mark anywhere in between there is is what the final nominations are going to end up being i have a lot more two and three nominated films than I feel like there normally is there's normally like this giant list of movies that only get one nomination I sort of feel like the consensus is a bit more agreed upon about which ones are, are sort of in contention that there's going to be more two or three four, nominate, four nominations uh, for different films but yeah I, I think we're we're generally sort of on the same page and, and our, looks, our list looks pretty similar other than like the random outliers that we both have
0: all right. So question. What is your please God? Just this one time nomination you want across the entire academy? Just not uh, to win, just just the nomination.
1: Yeah, I, I think it would probably end up being, you know, Simon Rex uh for, for Red Rocket for Best Actor. I, I love would love to see Last Duel to get into Best Picture, but I really don't think that's happening. So those would probably be my my two main ones.
0: Yeah. I mean I would not waste my please God this one time for Andrew Garfield because I think he's probably locked in at this point. So I'm gonna I would use my please God this one time for Bell uh for uh best animated feature just because loved Jap- love Japanese anime so always love to see it get more representation even if it's not going to win um and you know continue the streak of the nine Disney getting three uh, nominations in one year uh potentially um. But yeah, uh, what what do you what so what what do you think of this Oscars race? You what know, like you said, you know, work may be busy, we may not be able to finish it this year. But how are you feeling about this race in general, in terms of like just the quality of films we have lined up for us?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a pretty solid year. Uh, I'm a little uh, more mixed on Dune than most people are. I'm sure most of your listeners are, are probably very high on that, but uh, I still enjoyed it. I just didn't love it. But you know, you look at the top crop of of who we have. I think we both kind of have a consensus of what the you know, 10 or so most nominated films are. And they're, they're all pretty good. You know, I wasn't a fan of being the Ricardos, but, you know, sort of besides the point, don't look up as well. King Richard, I think is going to kind of do well, but there's some really solid films in here, whether it's, you know, Power of the Dog, Belfast, Coda, Tragedy of Macbeth, Spencer, The French Dispatch, Drive My Car, The Lost Daughter. There's There's a lot of really solid films in here. And I think you know, last year it was nice because we didn't have any of the big blockbusters. They all got pushed due to COVID. So we got some really interesting smaller films, stuff like Sound of Metal, stuff like Promising Young Woman that, you know, in a year like this, we're not going to see them. Uh, we're back to, you know, the, the regular studio fair and the sort of uh, high profile glitch.
0: I mean, like, I would say even if we do have, like, some high-profile stuff, like, you know, Dune, for example, as the most obvious one here, I feel like, you know, with the way the movie industry has been, you know, with with still, like, for the first third of the year or something like that, like, movie theaters were still closed across most of the world. um, And, you know, with, with you know, some delays being pushed back, Spider-Man not aside, right? Like, you know, sorry there's no time to die, but still only getting in for maybe sound, maybe visual, like, maybe visual effects, maybe song, potentially. um, So, you know, I mean, like, I still think that there are, like, those smaller films, especially as like we mentioned in previous episodes, streaming services like Netflix kind of take up the mantle and really push a lot of like these more indie films out there. Though not like the the really really indie films like the Independent Spirit Award films. Yeah, and I mean, hey, if Dune if if Dune does well, it's your countrymen, you know, getting getting bringing honor to Canada. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I you know I, I'm gonna be very happy when Dune ends up sweeping probably most of the technical awards and probably have the, the most awards overall on the night. I'll be very happy for Villeneuve. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. So if he if that gives him the opportunity to keep making more great films, then I am all for Dune winning everything.
0: All right. Um, so are there any other non-Oscar films you'd like to recommend that our listeners watch, um, aside from those that we've talked about this episode? And you already talked about Red Rocket, but any others that, that you know maybe might not get an Oscar nominated that you want to like, bring some attention to?
1: Uh, probably a movie from this past year that I was a a big fan of was a documentary called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. It, uh, is a four hour documentary about folk horror and it is absolutely phenomenal. It really, you know, guides you step by step. It's basically an entire film history curriculum in a documentary. You can watch this in chunks because it's divided by chapters. It is fascinating. I'm not, you know, the biggest horror fan in the world, but I watch this movie twice. And every time I keep adding more movies to my watch list. It is a stunning one. I would have loved if um, if it was you know, included in the conversation, but it seems like almost no one's talking about it. If anyone is a subscriber to Shudder, it just got released there, so you can watch it online. Or if you like buying your movies, Severn Films, which was actually a producer of this documentary, released a gorgeous box set that includes the documentary and 20 of the films mentioned in this doc. Uh, so if you're a big horror fan or folk horror fan, watch this and it's got the interviews with literally all the big names of the genre. So it is a truly fascinating one and I would love it if more people checked
0: it out. Did you do an episode of CondraZoom about like folklore? Was that inspired by this documentary?
1: It absolutely was. That was our Halloween episode this past year. We picked uh The Unholy Trinity, which is considered the three films that launched the genre. So you have uh Witchfinder General or Blood on Satan's Claw and um, wicker man uh those are those are considered the three uh starting points or entry points for the folklore genre and everything sort of branched out from there so we did our halloween special on uh on those movies so thank you for reminding me i forgot completely
0: yeah and then any films coming up in 2022 that you're particularly excited for this year i know i think i was the ep- i think it was the episode that came on last year for 2021 uh so what, yeah. are, what are your what are your favorite films for 2022 to look forward to
1: you know, I, I kept it a little basic for this list. I didn't go too crazy. It's, it's sort of too early in the year to really tell which ones are going to be uh, right on my radar. You have to wait for some more film festivals to happen. But, you know, some really obvious ones are The Batman, uh, the new Robert Pattinson film that everyone probably knows about by now. Robert, pa- um, Sorry, uh, The Northman, which is the new Robert Eggers uh, Viking horror movie. Really excited. Thor Love and Thunder. I love Taika Waititi's last version on Thor. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. We've talked about Spider-Verse already on this episode. Probably my favorite animated movie of all time. And then the last one, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is the Daniels movie. Very, very excited. Watch that trailer. And like, yeah, you're going to get a little bit of Spider-Man No Way Home vibes, but you watch it and you're just like, this is so bonkers crazy. I need to watch it. And it's got such a stacked cast. I'm so happy and I'm excited. And this is going to blow people's
0: minds, I think. It's Michelle Yo by the directors who did who had Daniel Radcliffe play a Farting corpse. I mean yep. what more can you The
1: Farting want? Corpse movie Swiss Army Man.
0: <laughs> um, all right. So once again, Dakota, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, where can people find more of you if they want to listen to your Oscar episodes coming out in the next couple of weeks?
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Paulo. I really appreciate it. I love talking to Oscars and especially with you. And like we talked about at the beginning, you're gonna come on Contrasing Pod down the line. So I'm sure you'll probably end up mentioning it on your show as well. But uh, ContraZoomPod is available on all podcast platforms. I also have a website, contraZoomPod.com. Uh, and that's my social media handles on, on Instagram and Twitter. So, you know, come say hi. Uh, and hopefully you're, you're liking what I'm doing. If you have any recommendations, let me know. And uh, I love to just talk movies. So, yeah, come say hi to Rachel and I.
0: Yeah, at some point, I will actually get around to watching all of Wes Anderson. I will actually come on. I promise. I'm going to and- hold you. Yeah. Well, as long as as long as I get to come on and also talk about anime on your podcast at some point, I will be happy. We're to definitely so. going
1: to do that. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thank you once again, Dakota. Uh, make sure you check out all of his stuff. Great friend of the show. One of my first biggest supporters of the of the podcast. And wouldn't have sorry without him. So uh, thanks again for coming on. And yeah, keep watching some more movies. Many thanks again to Dakota for coming onto the podcast to go back and forth about our Oscar nominations, predictions, and manifestation hopes. Uh, if you want to hear him go back and forth about film, be sure to check out his podcast Pod, which I'll link to in the show notes, as well as his music podcast Crate Digging, which uh, we mentioned over the show as well. Links to all of those, as well as his socials and letterboxed, are in the show notes. Um, thanks again, Dakota. Really always appreciate you having on the show. Now, next episode, which if all goes well, uh, will be later this week on Wednesday the 9th, uh, we'll have the nominations in hand and the Oscars death race can begin in earnest for this year. Uh, we'll check to see how well these predictions aged and take stock of what I need to watch in order to finish the death race. Uh, we'll also check in on the mad lads from the Academy of Death Races community who have already finished the race before it began and also reveal the results of the Oscar nominations contest I'm hosting, both uh, you know who won as well as what our community thinks the best picture nominees should have been. Um, a reminder, if you haven't yet submitted an entry, you can do so in the Google Form linked in the show before. I'll also post the links in the Discord, and there's already some posts up in the subreddits as well. You can find those posts. Um, you have until 8.18 a.m. Eastern Time this Tuesday to submit your entry, so make sure you act quickly. Um, obviously, the sooner you can submit, if there's any ties, um, and somehow the one above you um, who entered before you got a better uh, score than you did, um, you know, that, that would be the tiebreaker there. So definitely get this in as soon as you can. Uh, in any case I gotta get to sleep uh, because I have to see like seven different apartments tomorrow over like eight hours um, as well as you know do some other work as well so you know I'm gonna put, call that a wrap on this episode of the Oscars Death Face podcast let me know how your death face is coming along over on Twitter Oscars D Racecast or email Podcast at Zable.com make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast service of choice iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and if you can leave some review there it really helps or even just share us with a movie loving friend any of that's super helpful if you want the for directly financially contribute you can do so over on Patreon. Also uh, linked in the sonos in addition to those will be my Letterboxd account under the username Ninja Boy, Boy with an I. Um, uh, also, be sure to check out the Oscar Race, Oscar's Death Race subreddit, and the Oscar's Death Race Discord, and the community uh, websites AODR.net for the Academy of Death Racers and OscarsDeathRace.com for the leaderboard. Uh, music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. His stuff is at incompetent.filmix.io Editing production by Ninsboymida. That's it for this week. Uh, this has been Paulo of the Oscar's Death Race podcast, and until next time, I'll be here trying to watch all the Oscar nominees—or die trying.